What up? What's happening? Welcome back to Round Ball Stew presented by Roto World. I'm Dan Tice of Yahoo Sports, and I'm joined with Raphael Johnson as usual. We've, it's been a couple of weeks since we talked, Raph, so uh, we got some current events things that we got to catch up on. And obviously there were some milestones that happened and um, something really cool. Um, shout out to Matt Lawson of the Fantasy Basketball International, FBI, um, put together a consensus industry rankings guide from all of our takes from the preseason seeing how they unfolded. So we'll talk about that. Where were our hits and misses um, throughout the season? So really excited about talking about basketball today, man. So first and foremost, how are you? How are things? How's everything in AZ? I'm doing well. You know, obviously the Knicks won last night. So 1-1, hey. headed to Miami. That, that's always good. But um, yeah, you know, a couple of weeks, we're in the second round of the playoffs and things kind of I guess you'd say, I don't really know if I'd say slow down, but there are fewer games to keep track of this time of year, which can be pretty good. You know, get a little extra rest after a really long season. And that's good, too. Yeah, a couple of thoughts on that. Last week, it seemed like in the first round, the scheduling was just so off. Like, yeah. they have games on top of games. It was so hard. Like, I was literally sitting there with, like, my computer in one hand or my phone in another with my TV mm-hmm. on. Like, what, what is the NBA doing in terms of their scheduling? They got to figure that out. But now that we're in the second round, now it's much more manageable. Now it's just a matter mm-hmm. of like, if you're on the East Coast, you got to deal with it, man. You got to stay up till one o'clock yep. in the morning <laughs> every night, it <laughs> seems like. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about each series individually. But I just want to say like, a win's a win in the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? Like I see a lot of chatter about the Knicks. They should have been winning by much more with Jimmy Butler out. But like the Miami Heat is just that scrappy team where it's just next yeah. man up. It doesn't matter. Um, a win's a win. They tied up the series, as you said. But yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But it's been a couple of weeks since we last spoke. And since then, Ime Udoka has been named the Houston Rockets head coach. Want to get your thoughts on that from a fantasy perspective. Um, he made a couple of comments that I thought were pretty interesting, mainly that uh, they wanted to add some veteran talent um, by next season. And also they wanted to add a big man. So mm-hmm. give me your thoughts on what do you think Udoka can do and, and those those comments that he made there? Yeah, I think the big man comments are what stick out to me from a fantasy standpoint because you've got Alperin Shingun, got Jabari Smith. Those guys started alongside each other last season, this past, this season, I should say. Um, you know, Shingun's top 100 player. So you kind of wonder if they bring in a big, is it someone to provide depth behind him or someone to compete for the starting job? I think that's a big question there. Um, and the other thing would be how that point guard situation shakes out. You know, they've tried with Kevin Porter Jr. Mixed reviews, I think, fantasy-wise, overall, he's been good, but the team still hasn't won. So that's gonna, I think that's going to be something else they may look at in terms of how they handle it moving forward. So those are the two positions I'd have my eye on in Houston going into the offseason and preparing for draft season. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that Kevin Porter Jr. was the only guard to show up to the press conference. And, you know, coming into that moment, I thought he was going to be the one that was going to be on the chopping block. But he's obviously already showing support and and trying to get in the good graces of Ime Udoka. So Mm -hmm. maybe he stays around. I agree with you. It was the main point of, like, them wanting to add a big man. The good thing about the Houston Rocks is that they have a ton of talent. So when he made that comment about the veterans, I'm like, okay, that's not surprising. Maybe you package a couple players. Maybe James Harden becomes available, depending on how the situation ends up with the Sixers. But the big man, I feel like you can't you can't put another five. Like you can't move Shingun to the four. So I feel like yeah. it's got to be a backup center. Um, and we know how successful the Boston Celtics were with 
you know, Robert Williams and Al Horford kind of splitting and sharing those minutes at center also keeps them healthy. Um, so I'm hoping it's going to be a veteran backup big man that's going to support Shingun because this is so much opportunity and growth. Like if they play through him, like they play through, like the Kings play through Sabonis or the Nuggets play through Jokic, I just think it would just be so much better for that offense and to get other guys going and having Jalen Green not have to jockey for, you know, 20 shots a game and scoring 30. Like he can get 30, just play within the offense, get some wins, play good basketball, play winning basketball. So I think that Idoka is definitely going to be a person that can help them do that. Also think about like, what does that mean for Jabari Smith Jr.? Um, came on at the end of the season, but I think mm-hmm. we'll just have to wait and see how that kind of unfolds for him. But, you know, I, I, th- I think the ability to stretch the floor certainly is a, a value add at this point in the, in the, the way that the game is played. So I don't think it's going to really hurt him. What happens to Tari Eason? We'll find out, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, also, you know, obviously that we're in the second round of the playoffs. The Grizzlies were talking heavy, heavy, heavy in the first round, and they got bounced. Um, I was fortunate to actually go to game six uh, to watch that game. Even though it was a blowout, it was cool to actually go to the crypto arena and kind of see LeBron in a playoff format. But um, Dylan Brooks got probably one of the worst walking paper walking paper pink slip letters I've ever seen. Like, he will not be back yeah. <laughs> next season. I thought that it was a cop-out for the Memphis Grizzlies. Like, there's other, way other bigger culture is- cultural issues that they're going through within that organization to use Dylan Brooks's antics, which honestly, to me, was just, you know, a means for him to hype himself up, get motivated, you know, talk some trash, man. It's the playoffs. Like, I don't want everyone to be friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he's out of a job right now, but he's under a free agent. Do you think he's going to land on another team? I think he will. I don't think he's going to get anywhere near – the rumored payday that he was looking for. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't, I don't really know if there's necessarily true. He's looking for 25 million a year, bringing in Luke Kennard as they did at the trade deadline. I think that was the first sign that they're potentially looking at moving on. He yeah. may not be the defender that Brooks, but he's a far better shooter. And that's what that lineup needed. You know, someone who can stretch the floor and knock down shots on a consistent basis. Yeah, I agree, man. I, I think, um, bringing in Luke Kennard was huge for them because they needed someone that can consistently knock down a three pointer. Mm-hmm. This guy was, you know, tops in the league in three point percentage over the last couple of seasons. Um, and, and I think I was wondering why they didn't go to him earlier in the series before he got that yeah. hurt, that injury and the shoulder injury, and then he couldn't play. Um, but yeah, you're right. I don't know. He's definitely not going to get 25 million. If anything, I think his antics definitely impacted his bag. Um, mm-hmm. No one wants to pay for that <laughs> right now. Yeah. Like he, he devalued his market value, but he's still like, a competent basketball player, good size, still can guard on the ball. I think he could actually help a lot of teams win. He just got has to get into a situation where they're going to foster and build around him. Like I feel like every playoff team needs a goon. He was mm-hmm. that goon for the Grizzlies. There's a way that you can mold him into something a little bit better, or maybe he just needs to work on the knockdown shooting because he was abysmal from three-point line in that Lakers series. But, yeah, I think he's going to be fine. I think it was more so just Twitter – Hating on a man, kicking him while he's down. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that, he, he'll he'll definitely get on another squad. Yeah. Um, he'll be in but, the league. Yeah, he'll be he'll be in the league. Um, so last night, uh, I got to rock the Sixers cap because uh, the last time we had an MVP it was like Allen Iverson. So mm-hmm. Joel Embiid takes home Most Valuable Player of the 2022-2023 season. Um, Arguably could have been a fantasy MVP. He did finish first in, in per game value this year, led the league in scoring 33.1 points per game, um, played both sides of the ball. Look at his numbers, man. Just 
stupid efficiency. Um, you know, over 50% from the field. He's hitting threes. He gives you blocks, steals. Um, and he's great at shooting from the line, too. So there isn't really a flaw in, in Joel Embiid's fantasy game. It probably be, would be turnovers, but, you know, mm-hmm. most superstars that have that kind of a usage are going to have bad turnover rate. But, um, yeah, I just want to speak to what your thoughts were, the voting, how it kind of shook out. Is that how you intended it to go? Are you mad at it? What, what's your thoughts? I think the only thing I'm a bit confused by is that someone left Jokic off of their ballot completely, and you're supposed to vote top five. Mm. Maybe mistakes happen. We'll get into that later when we talk about fantasy rankings and whatnot, but that's not, that, that's, that's, that's not like an honest mistake. No. You know? That's just, I don't that's know hate. who did it. That's hate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who did it or what their motivation was, but to leave him completely off the ballot was interesting to see. But Embiid definitely deserves it. You know, runner-up each of the two seasons prior. Like you mentioned, you know, the numbers across the board were outstanding, whether we're talking fantasy or, or real basketball, so to speak. Scott is MVP. I know we like to give him some slack about how much he talked about it, you know, complained about not being MVP, but – you think about his path to this point, you know, going back to high school and growing up in Cameroon, playing basketball, starting at 14. It's a huge achievement for him. So I can't get mad at him at all about, you know, the conversations. It's obviously a big deal for him. Now his goal is probably going to be to cap it off with a championship. And they might have a chance. He's going to be, mm-hmm. uh, it looks like he's going to give it a go for game two, up 1-0 against the Boston Celtics out uh, away. So, I mean, if they can steal another one, man, that's going to put them in a great position uh, to potentially, you know, knock off one of the teams that they just can't seem to beat consistently yeah. over the last several years. Um, want to go back to your point about, you know, the kid from Africa. Like, it's crazy how the YouTube era, like, he's literally the definition of it. Like, Googling mm-hmm. and how to shoot like a white guy and then now MVP. <laughs> like, it's... It worked. It's it's amazing, man. It's, it really is. Like, and um, just a special talent. And I just hope that he could stay healthy. And I think that that's... Yeah the knock that you'll always have, right? Like this guy can just stay healthy, play in control, you know? And I think we mm-hmm. saw, uh, we were talking about before the show, but I think the Sixers showed that they can play competently without Joel Embiid. So when Joel Embiid comes back, like how can he get everyone involved and still, you know, you can still be as dominant on the glass and in the paint and do your thing on the fadeaways and the pull-ups, um, assassin in the mid-range, mm-hmm. um, you know, Durant level, Dur- DeRozan level efficiency from the mid-range. But I just think that you got to get others involved. Like the the boost that Melton gave them in the first half, um, you know, Tobias Harris playing within himself, not doing too much, just doing enough, and Tyrese Maxey be able to get downhill. Um, I think it just shows that you know they can, he can rely on other people. It doesn't have to be him. So I'm curious to see how uh, the Sixers readjust with him back in the lineup here. But this is a must win game for Boston tonight, so it's going to be a good one. The line moved from ten and a half uh, to start before Embiid was kind of you know on the on the questionable side of, of playing and now moved down to seven and a half. So looks like he's going to give it a go. Um, but yeah, either way, man, I just think it's been a great season for basketball centers, particularly like I'm not, I'm not hating the fact that Jokic um, didn't win, but I think he was much deserving of it. Right. Yeah. Like Giannis was too. Um, this is a very competitive um, league that we have right now. So yeah. I'm glad that Joel Embiid got it, but I just Mm -hmm. I definitely see the argument for other people getting it too. So before we get into things, make sure you download the Roto World app to receive breaking news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting 
players on your roster, get the latest injury updates, which we'll talk about. I got a slew of them from yesterday. Player news and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available on your app store today. Some injuries, man. It just sucks. I guess we'll start with uh, we'll start with your Knicks and um, the fact that Jimmy Butler didn't play in game two. The Knicks were able to tie it up. Jalen Brunson going dog mode, savage mm-hmm. mode, 30 points. Last person to drop 30 in the garden in the playoff game since Melo. Um, RJ Barrett. I I feel like I gotta give him some I gotta give him some respect, man. Like he was yeah. awful in fantasy in nine cat leagues, but he's providing the 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 stretch, you know, the ability to stretch the floor. He's knocking down threes. He's not really doing much in terms of rebound and assist, but he never does. But that's a that's a really important score that they have. Um, that's been pretty consistent bucket, especially with Julius Randle kind of still dealing with this ankle injury and still trying to find his way back. Um, but yeah, I want to get your thoughts on this series in general because. Butler is obviously the best player in this series. He missed the last game. As a Knicks fan, are you concerned um, that the Knicks are playing with their food a little uh, a little bit too much, or do you think that they're still in a good position to potentially win this series? I think I think they're in a good spot. Um, I, I feel the series is going to go seven. Um, yeah. you know, Miami's just their mindset in general is such that it wasn't really a shock that they made that a game last night, even without Jimmy Butler. You know, Tyler Hero's out as well. Uh, we saw Max Drews and Caleb Martin go down at various points last night, mm-hmm. too, even though they were both on the floor to finish. Out of bios, kind of hobbled a little bit, too, yeah. with an injury. Yeah. So Yeah, so I think the three-day break comes at a really good time for both teams from a health standpoint. You, know, you mentioned Randall. Jalen Brunson's also been dealing with an ankle issue. Um, so it's a good opportunity to get healthy. Isaiah Hartenstein and Josh Hart came up huge last night. Uh, Hart, one assist shy of a triple-double. Hartenstein kept the possession alive by himself for over a minute. Um, that ultimately tied the game on a Josh Hart three, and they took the lead for good. The next possession down. So, yeah, they, they're getting good contributions across the board. I think Miami can point to some guys as well, where you talk about Martin or, or Gabe Vincent. So I think it's going to be a really competitive series. You know, I just hope the Knicks fan in me just sincerely hopes that Jimmy Butler isn't a difference, but – that man's mind is just wired differently um, than a lot of stars in the NBA. So not very fun to see him out on the court when he's when he's healthy and active. Yeah, I think this is like – I feel like this is vintage almost. We're getting towards the 90 era of basketball, like low-scoring mm-hmm. games, scrappy defense, teams that just want it, like the hustle. Um, just really impressed, by the way, Eric Spolstra continues to just get these no-name players, undrafted guys, G League guys like Gabe Vincent and getting them to play up to these moments, man. Like, even Kyle Lowry's look decent for how as mm-hmm. old as he is. Like, he's just doing those right things, making those right plays to keep them competitive in this series. Um, the Knicks are the better team. They're the healthier team. But for some reason, I, you just can't count out Miami. So, like, I, I agree with you. I think that this one is probably going to go seven. It's going to be a dog fight. Um, and you just can't you can't just discount when Jimmy Butler's in the game, man. Like, he's just – the playoff Jimmy is just a completely different type of bucket. And he could have been a sixer if the management <laughs> knew what they were doing. But they chose Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris. Story for another day. Still bitter about it. Will always be. But, you know, I think that it's, you know, as both, you know, we're both fans of the game and obviously have our allegiances to the Knicks and the Sixers, respectively. I still feel like it's going to be a Knicks-Sixers Eastern Conference final. That's that's what I'm sticking to. That's why I would love <laughs> to see old school, you know, Atlantic division, 
Like that's that's classic basketball right there. But either way, um, I think we're still blessed with with great basketball regardless. Um, the other games that are occurring, the Nuggets and the Suns. Suns are down 2-0. And uh the Nuggets talk they they caught a lot of they caught a lot of you know ish over the course of the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jokic was kind of hurt. Um, you know, Jamal Murray was was definitely being rested towards the end of the season. They once they got their locked in their their one seed, it kind of seemed like they took their foot off the gas a little bit, and people got concerned, you know, whether it be Twitter analysts. You know, even, you know, the higher marquee media outlets were still disrespecting the number one seed. They look for real, man. Yeah. And, you know, they're getting solid minutes out of people like Jeff Green. Jamal Murray's going hero, mo- hero mode. And then Jokic just puts up a 30, 37, you know, 18 rebound dominant performance in game two. How worried are you about the Suns now, especially considering that Chris Paul's already been ruled out for game three with a groin injury? Yeah, they're in a really bad spot. Um even with Chris Paul healthy, they didn't go very deep. I think they're going like seven deep in terms of minutes. You may have had a couple guys sprinkled in on the back end, but they weren't playing more than a handful of minutes. So yeah. to lose him, obviously Cameron Payne, you know, jumps to the forefront here. Um, he'll start, I assume, because that's been the case in the past when Chris Paul has sat. I think we're going to see more of the ball in Devin Booker and Kevin Durant's hands as playmakers. Um Obviously, they're both gifted offensive talents, you know, given what they've done this season and throughout their respective careers. But when you're asking guys who are already playing 44, 45 minutes to do even more, that's a really tough spot, especially with Kevin's recent injury history. So, you know, their backs are against the wall. They really don't have much choice. I wonder if we see TJ Warren at all. Um, He hasn't been in the rotation, but if you need a bucket, Coming off the bench, that's one guy who can get you a few. Um, he may give up a few defensively, but I think they just got to let him go out there and see what he can give them in, in 15 to 20 minutes if possible. Even Terrence Ross, that's another bucket yeah. off the bench that, that's also not getting many minutes. Um, mm-hmm. It's primarily just been Josh Akogi and Torrey Craig. And uh, Jock Landell is also getting some minutes. We've seen Bismack Biombo get in there too. Um, I think that this is just a testament to – how much the Suns sacrifice in order to get yeah. Kevin Durant. Their depth mm-hmm. is depleted. Their perimeter defense is trash. Um, it, it's it's tough, man. And you're right. It's going to be Booker and Durant having to go for 30, 30 apiece to even keep them competitive. And that's not sustainable, especially not past this round. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of talent on the floor. But I, I got to I gotta tip my hat to the Nuggets, man. Like Bruce Brown is playing so well for them and just a value contract. We talked about it a lot during the season of like just how good he fits and meshes into that that system. KCP is playing very well too. This is like all the role players, man. Like Aaron Gordon's playing very well. Like the Nuggets are a scary team right now that I think people are finally starting to realize. Like this team was for real. They're the one seed yeah. for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I know that the Suns on the other side have all the the, the all stars and the all NBA players, but it's a team game. And I think you're seeing like the Suns are going to have to. They're going to get worn down by the end of this. Yeah. And, I don't know where DeAndre Ayton's at. Very efficient player, but he just doesn't make an impact in terms of the game, right? Like, it's just weird how he just takes it, – it's I don't know, like, offensively, like, offensive rebounding-wise, like, sometimes he just takes plays off, and um, he's going to need to play big. Like, they need him more than ever, so I don't know what they need to do to get him engaged um, or he needs to do it himself to become dominating, as he termed himself. But uh, they're going to need it uh, in game three here. Um and then the final injury we just kind of talked about was Joel Embiid and how that's going to impact the Boston Celtics series. What's your prediction for that series? 
It's a good question. Um, I like, I still like Boston, even though they dropped game one. Um, they had some interesting decision making down the stretch of that game offensively that got them in, in deep trouble. Marcus Smart aggravated, you know, the back injury that he was dealing with in the first round, took an elbow to the chest, and that apparently aggravated the back issue. So that's something else to keep an eye on. He's questionable for game two Wednesday night as of the taping of this podcast. But, man, I, I think we've seen it you know, throughout the year with Boston. As good as they were, they would have stretches, whether it's certain matchups, like going 0-3 against the Magic or within games where – they would just revert to one-on-one basketball and it would just backfire on them. You know, they have the good ball and player movement. They're very difficult to defend, but they need to get back to that because that was really absent in the fourth quarter the other night. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, Jalen Brown was like, he got like three shots up in the, the fourth, third, over the course of the third and fourth quarter. Like um, the hero ball that they're reverting back to, you're right. Like that's not the style of play that's going to get them. And also their defense has also not been good. You know, they're allowing 121 points per 100 possessions right now. Um, they're, they got to figure it out and they will. Like, I, I'm not overly concerned about it. Like, I think this is going to be another tough series. That's probably going to wind up going six or seven games, depending on how Joel Embiid impacts, um, the series here. But, um, yeah, you know, the Marcus Smart injury, like, I think he's going to play through it. Like, that guy usually plays through a lot of pain. Um, probably self-imposed a lot of ways because he'd be flopping all around the place, <laughs> kind of like kind of like Embiid. But, yeah, I think we're just going to see Malcolm Brogdon kind of step up here. He's been pretty solid against the Sixers throughout the course of the season. Um, he's been kind of an X factor. Derek White's kind of got to get, you know, his, his, he's got to find his groove a little bit. Um but yeah, I think this is going to come down to like what adjustments will Missoula make, and we talked about it a little bit before the show. And you know, right now he's getting out coached by Doc Rivers, which is pretty rare, uh, especially in modern day basketball. But um, yeah, this is going to be the testament to see if they can pull it together. They got to win here. If they go down two zero and then going back to Philly, it's going to be it's going to definitely be a tough uphill climb for them. Um, but yeah, this is uh, this is going to be a good series, man. I'm expecting Tatum to show up, Jalen Brown also to ball out. Um, it's going to be a good game tonight. Really excited for it. And then the final game, last night we got treated to the Lakers and the Golden State Warriors. I know you might have dozed off a little bit. The fourth quarter got a little bit crazy. Um, Thought Steph was going to pull some more heroics. Jordan Poole actually showed up. But in the end, the Lakers just strapped up at the right times, and AD just went shack. You know, 30 points, 20 rebounds, five, three or four blocks, I think it was. Um AD's the he's the best player in the series. Like he's the most important player in the series. If he does that every game, Warriors don't stand a chance. There's no one that can guard him. Question is, is AD going to be able to do this consistently over the course of the series? And I think history has shown he's taken a couple of t- a couple of games off here and there. Um, so what do you think about this series? How do you think it's going to shake out? Can Steve Kerr make certain adjustments to kind of combat AD or is AD just going to get his? I think AD's going to get his. Um Funny, he and, and uh, Kevon Looney both had 23 rebounds last night. Um, mm, crazy. You know, so, yeah, that's one thing. I think those two are going to fight to a standstill in terms of the rebounding, but the scoring is where AD shines through, obviously. Um, look, AD's going to get his. You just kind of hope that LeBron doesn't turn back the clock for, like, age 33 LeBron. As great as he still is, 
he's not going to be able to go to that well as often as he used to. I think we have to be honest about that. Um, but 23 and 11 for him last night. Jordan Poole is an interesting player for me. I feel like he's the type of player who can kind of shoot them into a game or shoot them into a blowout win, but he can also shoot them in the other direction too. Like he shot the ball reasonably well last night, six of 11 from three. So that's a good start to him, but it hadn't been the most consistent player in that regard, to be honest with you. No, he hasn't. And I mean, he talked, he, he definitely took some, some flack for that shot that he took at the end of the game. I thought it was a good look considering you're down three. Like at some point, sometimes you just got to pull it. Could he have taken a step in? Sure. I get the argument for it, but when a guy's six from 11 and for someone that's been as cold as he was um, and the look that he got, I feel like you take the shot. Draymond talked about on his podcast today. He had no issue with it. I'm sure all the rest of the Warriors team also could live with it as well. There were other moments in that game that they probably wish they could have had back that they wouldn't have put themselves in that situation. A lot of reckless turnovers. Um, but also, you know, I think that there is an opportunity for the Warriors to figure something out. LeBron looks hurt or something. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what it is, but he hasn't been anywhere near as aggressive as he was normally in the playoffs. Um, and obviously you're letting AD just kind of cook. But if I'm the Warriors, man, I'd be sending so much action at LeBron James to make him work on defense that it kind of exhausts him because he doesn't look like he's looking for a shot offensively. So you might as well just wear him down. And I don't know if that means Andrew Wiggins. Maybe it's just Draymond just throwing him in the pick and rolls and getting him in, in on an island so that he has to guard, you know, against the quicker guards and pool and, and uh and curry but they that's the adjustment i'm making I, i'm sending bodies to, to lebron to wear him out and you know if d makes a couple shots sure but like we know who d is like he's a clutch mm-hmm. player but he also tends to disappear um the role players played very well for the lakers i don't know that we've seen that consistently that they that they can do that on top of ad showing up too it's either the role players show up and then ad doesn't or vice versa so i, I think it's gonna be a long series lakers stole game one I think if they can keep to their formula that they did in game one, man, there's definitely a chance that the Lakers can pull this out. This is going to be, I think this is going to be the closest series. Um, they're all between the Miami heat, the Knicks, Sixers and, and Celtics. And then this one, I mean, this, we're just going to have great basketball, man. So if it goes either way, I don't really care. Like I, I just want to see a great match and whoever I'm all for parody too. So <laughs> if we see another person dethrone the champions all for it, even though I live in the Bay, wouldn't mind going to see another championship and all that, but you know, also wouldn't mind seeing uh, somebody else shake it up a little bit. Um, all right, let's turn change gears a little bit. Wanna, before we get to that, though, um, just want to give an update on my baseball team. It's, it's, it's doing all right. Had some injuries. A lot of people hitting the DL, um, hitting the DL, the DL lately. Um, I don't know what was going on in Los Angeles, man. Like they had every freaking pitcher on that yeah. team or player was having babies around the same time. Like, I don't know. They were just playing. They had to call up so many people, but it's so weird. But either way, um, as this the NFL draft just finished, so there's a lot of early rankings going out, good draft content. I saw Barry uh, posting something about uh, the draft as well as Lawrence Jackson. So make sure every season, make sure you get the draft guide bundle. Every season's draft season, get your Roto World draft guide bundle today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts. We'll talk about how our drafts you know, went pretty well, or our rankings. So make sure you follow Raph because Raph is one of the expert of expert rankers, man, aficionado. He's got some really good calls this year. But it will be packed with profiles, rankings, projections. Order today and get all three Roto-World draft guides 
for the price of two plus use promo code Barry B E R R Y and save an extra 20% at checkout. So yeah, I'm going to hype you up a little bit because you had calls that no one else was even close to. And uh, I think it was really cool that Matt Lawson put this together again, shout out to him um, because it's really good to see like how we, you know, not that we're, we're, we're all trying to provide advice for people to win their fantasy leagues, right? Like we all have the, mm-hmm. the good intentions, um, but it's also nice to have some competition in this too, to see like, all right, well, who, who had, whose guy, like who actually made some good calls, who was totally off on things. Um, it just holds us accountable and also makes us better. Um, mm-hmm. But I definitely want to a- ask your thought process about a couple of players that really stood out that you called like well above consensus um, throughout this season. So first let's talk about, let's talk about like what went right. Um, so for you, SGA, um, you know, I, it didn't seem like you were concerned about his injury coming into the season. You had him ranked mm-hmm. 17th, which was the most aggressive out of anyone. The next closest to you was 24. Obviously, you know, he outperformed even your expectations. Yeah. But still, what made you think that he was going to go off to the tune of being a top, a second round value? I just thought his usage when he was on the floor last season, you know, the, the usage, the efficiency, not much of a three point shooter, but he shoots the ball so well from two and from the foul line that he more than makes up for that. Uh, the, the numbers across the board, you know, I think the preseason conversation around SGA and the Thunder in general is that, oh, they're going to tank. And I think people need to really properly define what it means to tank. Like nobody's tanking from day one. Right. So you can't assume that at all. So that's why I had him at that point. I kind of hedged my bet, so to speak, having him at 17 as opposed to, say, in the top 10. Did you want to do make him top 10? I thought about it. You know, that that's that may have been where some of that that tanking conversation influenced my placement of him. But again, I just think it's one of those situations where we can all learn the lesson to not assume things um, based on what we think is going to happen with with a team. Oh, they don't look good on paper. They're not going to try. That's not true at all. These guys all have a, a salary to make. So. As long as we keep that in mind, I think we'll be we'll be fine. But that that was kind of my thinking with SGA. Now, do you when you do, when you're putting together your rankings, do you usually account for? Are you more so thinking on a per game value basis, or are you also factoring in the totality of how healthy can this guy be? Because you mm-hmm. just talked about tanking. Did you so you 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 discounted SGA a little bit because of the risk of tanking? Do you usually do a combination of that, depending on the player, or how's that really work for you? I think it depends on the player. Um, I tend to lean more towards the per game um, just because that, you know, it tends to be what I play personally in terms of fantasy. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I lean more towards per game than in totals. Um, you know, I think totals would be more important if you play like in a roto situation. Um, so, yeah, I, I it's kind of I guess I'd say it's a mixture, you know, more per game, but also player by player in terms of what they've done in the past, too. Yeah, I think that that's fair. Um, I think with the ones that are the more injury-prone players that yeah. you know are, could miss some games, you definitely have to factor that in. I think mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are certainly examples of that. Um, next player that you got right, uh, Brooke Lopez. And I want to talk about Brooke Lopez because mm-hmm. I was just so off. <laughs> like, not <laughs> even close. Like, by, I wasn't the worst. I had him at 164. You mm-hmm. were bold enough to have him at 87. And again... Like, if you're looking at across the board, all of us analysts were way off. But you were the closest to 
having some some confidence in Brooke Lopez mm-hmm. this season. So what went to your thought process of 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 putting Brooke Lopez that high, a top 90 guy who ultimately finished in the top 30? Um, but you still saw something in him that we didn't. Yeah, just on to have the offseason to get healthy, you know. Um, he took that major hit with the back surgery ahead of last season, and we didn't see him on the court very much. I don't think he made his debut until about January, so if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, you know, that may have played into the thinking on the part of a lot of people, but I just felt that with him being healthy, and also that was a point in time when Chris Middleton still wasn't healthy. You know, completely True. different games and skill sets, but it's like he may have a few more opportunities offensively, especially the three-point shooter with Middleton out. So I felt – I didn't think there was any way he would be outside of the top 100, but I didn't think he'd be as good as he was, to be honest with you. <laughs> top 30, no. And, like, he was yeah. probably up for defensive player of the year before Jaron mm-hmm. Jackson Jr. came back and yeah. started just – annihilating defenses with his his uh stock prowess um but yeah you had another great call that i wanted to highlight it was um jaron jackson jr you know i think that i you were pretty high on him as well um despite him coming off of that knee injury um you had him right let me see i think it was Uh, a foot actually yeah sorry the foot yeah the foot the foot injury um 55 i want to say Trying to find him here. Oh, yeah. So you had him at 55, which was, again, the most aggressive um, out of any other analyst. So what was it about JJJ that you felt like, even coming off an injury, that he would still be a top, you know, a top 50 guy? Yeah, this was one where I really weighed the per game um, value as opposed to anything else. When he's on the court, he can give you really good, you know, the shooting shooting percentages, you know, the the form isn't great, but he, he finds a way to make those shots at a consistent clip. So you get that, the rebounding, especially the block shots. I think in a situation like that, if you have a player that you know can get you a minimum of two blocks per game, I think he's worth reaching for. Now, he ended up getting three from Jaron Jackson Jr., but I think that's one of those categories. You play in category leagues where I think it's okay to be a little bit more aggressive in terms of ranking and drafting players. Yeah, I I was just – I don't know what I was thinking. I was thinking I was probably <laughs> leaning more towards total value or something yeah. or that maybe it would take them some time, like, you know, resting, load management, coming off of that stress fracture that it wouldn't – he wouldn't pick up. But, like, dude, mm. I, was, I was off. Was I the worst one on JJ? Let me see. No, someone uh, had him unranked. And he got 203. I mean, yeah, I was pretty far. Yeah. No, there's a couple. Yeah, there's a few people that were outside of me. I had him at 100, but that was just disrespectful. So lesson <laughs> learned, you know. I, I, you, you learn your lesson, man. Like, you can't discount somebody that is that dynamic defensively that can also shoot a three and more or less be a pretty efficient basketball player. Um, so, yeah, I definitely took my licks on that one. But I did have some good calls, too. Yes, you did. Um, I was the lowest on Trey Young this year. And coming into the season, one of the things that I thought was going to come to fruition was that DeJounte Murray was going to be a better fantasy player than Trey Young, and that ended up happening. Um, But I was the lowest on Trey Young, man. I had him in 18, Mm -hmm. and the closest to him was, I think, 15. So, you know, my thought process there was more of like, you know, he's going to get another person that has all-star caliber talent alongside of him in the backcourt. Like, I figured it would probably cut cut down his usage but then also him moving off ball. We haven't really seen that much 
Now, egg on my face, <laughs> his assists were fine. He was one of only three players to average 20, 20 points and 10 assists. So that wasn't the thing. It was the fact that his efficiency went down from a year ago. You know, he shot 46% last year. He went down to 43. The turnovers continue to be a, a huge problem for Trey Young. Um, so that's just going to depress his value. And, you know, for his draft capital, he was, you know, at a first-round pick, number 11, as a consensus. And, um, yeah, he just didn't live up to that value. And I think I don't think he's going to do it next year either. You know, under Quinn Snyder, his numbers were actually worse than Nate McMillan. Smaller sample size, but – um, I don't know. The Atlanta Hawks have some that that organization is going to be a little bit interesting going into next season. Will they retain John Collins for the fourth, fifth year in a row? Who knows? Clint Capella, who knows? Um, or Trey could even demand a trade. There's been rumors of that, too. He's in clutch. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, I was happy about that call. Um, the other call that I made was uh, Jalen Brunson. Um, I was the highest on Brunson. and I was surprised by that, considering that we got a resident Nick fan here. Um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, man, I was drinking the Kool-Aid since I, I've been drinking the, the, the Jalen Brunson Kool-Aid since probably two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. he just always seemed like a player that if he g- was given an opportunity to be starting the starting point guard and lead a team, it w- definitely worked in my favor that he was with Tom Thibodeau playing heavy minutes. But, um, from what we've seen from him and his growth and maturity over the course of the season, you know, 24 points per game over six, over six dimes, like. I'm going to be overly aggressive with him next year too, man. Like I'm not afraid to say it. Like he's a, he's a second or third round pick next year. Like he's only getting better. Like, I mean, all right, unless they, you know, trade for Damian Lillard or some crazy thing like that. But if all things remain true and the same and and things hold like his efficiency, he does everything. I think he can add a steal. He, he was just under a steal a game this year, but he does threes. He gets the assists. He gets, he rebounds. He shoots. Well, he doesn't turn over the ball that much. Like, He's an all. He's this dude is an all NBA player. Like he's a baller. I'm a Jalen Brunson stan. I didn't realize I was going to turn this into a Jalen Brunson podcast, but I mean this dude was a top top forty player um, this season. So like, yeah, very happy about Jalen Brunson and the way that turned out. Um, another call that I made was Vucevic. I was the most accurate on Vooch. I don't really know why. There's no master plan or science behind that. I just. <laughs> I, don't know, I figured Booster was going to have a good year, uh, mainly because it's like a contract year for him. Like he's got a, the Bulls have a decision to make. They gave up a ton of assets for him, and to just let him walk in free agency is going to be pretty embarrassing. So I don't know. We'll see what the Bulls do, um, but they definitely have to make some decisions. And I think a lot of their success is definitely on the fact that let Lonzo Ball is not on the court. Um, he just makes their team so much more dynamic without him. Um, their defense just isn't what it should be. And we know Vucevic isn't an imposing force defensively anyway, but just great efficiency from him, great rebounding, um, just a very solid fantasy player. And he was going a little bit later, like relatively cheap big. Um, last person I think I wanted to note was that I was also out on DeAndre Ayton. That worked out pretty well. Um, he wasn't as advertised. I mean, he wound up finishing 61st in per-game value, um, 70th in total value. I mean, some people had him as high as 30, 28, which was like yeah. aggressive considering all that offseason crap going on with Monty Williams and his role that's still continuing to fester now. Um, yeah, I had Aiton at uh, 52, which was the highest, um, the furthest out um, compared to consensus. So um, let's talk about some misses. Or is there any other, uh, actually, some other hits that you hit? Um, Jaden McDaniels? 
Jaden, I think Lowry Markin's another one. Um, yeah. Got to when we looked, yeah, when we looked at Utah, I think Markin and Colin Sexton were two guys I think a lot of people were bullish on uh, before the season started. I felt better about Markinen just because of his skill set, and he tends to play under control. Um, I didn't. None of us thought that he would have the year that he did this season, but I thought he was in a really good place fantasy-wise to step up um, and play at a level that we really hadn't seen from him since early in his NBA career. So that's another another one I'd like to call out there. Yeah, for some reason I wrote about Mark. Uh, I wrote about Markin as a sleeper. And then I ranked him like a fool. I don't I don't know why I had him at 90. Like, I should have mm-hmm. aggressively put him up there. Like, instead of me putting Jalen Green at, like, 60, I could have easily just moved marking it up, given that I, I saw how good he was going to be from that preseason and him being the alpha of that offense. Um, yeah, I mean, his stock is through the roof now. I mean, the value you're going to be getting on him, you're going to have to pay up. He's a second, third-round pick as well, um, you know, going into next season. So great call on marking as well. Notice you're also high on Al Horford. You got Al Horford just pegged. Um, I think you got him right on the the ranking that he finished. Um, was there any thought process behind that? Did you think that Robert Williams was going to take a step back? Like, how did that shape out? At the time, Robert Williams was still recovering from the offseason knee surgery that he underwent. You know, after I think he struggled in the playoffs with it and they eventually he couldn't play. So he played through it, I should say, during the postseason, but then they had to shut him down. So I thought – with just one center on the floor, that was a good opportunity for Horford to do a bit more fantasy-wise. And sure enough, that's how things played out. Yeah, I was not into Al Horford. Um, I had him, or was I? No, actually, I was more into Al Horford than I should have been. Um, I had him at 69, and he was like somewhere in the 100, 112 range. Um so I don't know. I guess I was more optimistic than the market was on Al Horford. I don't know why, because he's like old in Al Horford. But um, yeah, let's go. Let's talk about some misses. Um, who do you want to highlight well, on your list that you were that you just completely like whiffed yeah. on? Back to Horford, it would probably help oh. if I looked at my ranking when I was speaking <laughs> about him. Um, <laughs> yeah, you were you weren't high on him. You were yeah. You, you were right there. So yeah, <laughs> I just completely invalidated everything I said. Right <laughs> Um, <laughs> you're like, no, wait, I, I never believed in yeah. this, man. <laughs> I thought, I don't know, man. I, I'm sorry, but these mistakes happen at times. So you got the land. I mean, we're ranking 250 yeah. plus players, man. I can't remember, you know, everybody that I got right or wrong, but I, yeah. I thought that that one was funny just because it's like, I'm out on Horford, but like er- that whole message yeah. was like, oh, Al Horford's Al Horford <laughs> to the moon, mm-hmm. he's gonna ball, <laughs> yeah. Funny, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think two pick my first two misses were basically the reason why I'm not too big on doing rankings because I have a tendency to forget about someone, and this yeah. is what happened I- here. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna ask, I was like, how the hell do you not rank him? Like, of all, yeah, people? yeah, I had OG Ananobi at 136, that was a last second. Ryan Canals, like, you didn't rank him. Oh, shit. You know, so I threw him <laughs> in late. And the other one was Zach Levine, who I completely forgot. You didn't even so, put him in there. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like the, the interrogation scene in Menace to Society. Like, I, I know I messed up. You know, that, that's all I can really say about either of those. Like, I can't, I can't explain. There's no, like, strategy or, or reasoning behind it. I just messed up. So that's why those two 
on my list of misses. I mean, that's a good reason to to call out your miss. Like you forgot one player just altogether, and the other one yeah. was like, ah, uh, one thirty six. It's um, weird. You, like you said, we're ranking like two hundred fifty players. You assume that you have everyone in there. Yeah. And even if you look at it, so many names in one row, it's in one column. You you still can't kind of read it. So it's like, yeah, these things happen. Unfortunately, these things happen. What did what I just I don't know. I, there's no excuse for this. Nick Claxton, I had at 180. No one was even close to me. <laughs> like not even close. I think the closest was like 130. Uh, Zach Hanchu, what's up, bro? Um, what I I don't know. I mean, I just don't know what I was thinking. I he was like, I, I don't. What was I doing? I don't know. Was it like too much Ben? Uh, maybe I was believing in Ben Simmons. Like. Dude, I to have him ranked so far down, I'm just gonna maybe it was a mistake. I think maybe I forgot about him. That's the only thing I could say. Um, I mean, well, if you think about it, the season prior, didn't they like bring in DeAndre Jordan? Like maybe some of us were thinking they're gonna try to bring in another one of Katie and Kyrie's friends, take away minutes from Nick. So yeah. that might be an issue there. Thankfully, they didn't do that. Um, so people who are higher on Nick Claxton really benefited from that. Yeah. Yeah, they did because that was a top 50 player. And I, uh, yeah, hopefully that you didn't fall victim to that because I just was just off, off, off. Um, the other one uh, for me was like Devin Booker. I was higher on than most. I had him aggressively at 13. Um, you know, obviously the trade deadline happened and all that and acquiring Kevin Durant. But like, even so, like he was a 30 top 30 player. Um Booker's one of those people that I, I don't know. Like he seems like he's more of a real life fantasy real life player than fantasy player. Like it hasn't yet come together for him mm-hmm. because of the turnovers, because of the lack of steals and, and defensive metrics. Um, but I don't care, man. The talent is just too good. Like it's gonna come together at some point. So like I don't even feel bad about being that wrong on that. Um, being that I was a little bit ahead of of, of the consensus on that. Um, and then one other player that I gotta call out that um I also whiffed on was Jalen Green. Um, yeah, Same I way. thought he was. I thought he was going to be that dude and just be better than he was last season. And by all accounts, he was. Like his scoring went up. You know, his assists were higher. He did everything right. He just was a turnover machine and did nothing defensively. And his field goal percentage, like he, if he's not going to improve his efficiency, he's not going to go up in the rankings. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still high on the talent. I just don't know. I'm definitely not going to be ranking him in the top 60. I'll say that. Um, was there anyone else that you wanted to highlight on your misses? Jalen Green. Um, then for the sake of fun, since we got to wrap up, I'm going to say JaVale McGee. I ranked him 93rd. <laughs> Wait, what? Where? Yeah. No, <laughs> I ranked him 93rd because at the time, he he'd said that the Mavericks told him he was going to be the starting center. And then now he said, that it, obvi- said it and forget it. <laughs> it's like, what? did they have Christian Wood yet? Um, yes. Oh, that's I right. They, they because, yeah, yeah, because Kid was like, oh, he's coming off the bench. JaVale gets the yeah. nod. Yeah. Oof. People need to be fired over that. But dude, I don't even think, yeah, I don't even think yeah, I had yeah. JaVale ranked. So no. <laughs> I guess shout out to you for, for your due diligence and yeah, going in the trenches. <laughs> do not listen to Jason Kidd. Yeah. Because, yeah. 
Yeah, well, it that sounds like it. Jason Kidd's going to be getting some more uh, some more help because he's going to he's fired most of his staff, and mm-hmm. I don't know. There's going to be some changes going on in Dallas, but one thing that won't change is Round Boss Two will be back um, here again. We're taking we're probably doing it every couple of weeks now, um, being that you know the playoffs are going on. Don't want to overwhelm you with with fantasy stuff, but we got more rankings to come out. Definitely some draft news that's going to be coming out, and um, also. Um, I think we can try probably try to touch on like who's been the movers um, up the ranks over the course of the playoffs. There's definitely been some some nice movement in terms of improvement for certain players. So until next time we speak one Eastern on Twitch, I'm Dan Titus, Raphael Johnson. We'll see you next time. Peace. <laughs>